Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Wars. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Ahsoka Season 1, Episode 7, Part 7, Dreams and Madness. Aaron, do you feel mad after this episode? No, I wasn't particularly mad uh, okay. in, in the crazed nor angry way. Um, I, I do think that Star Wars, when it's at its like general audience's best, it's family-friendly, you know, accessible best, it kind of floats somewhere on a 5 on the 1 to 10 Saturday morning cartoon bullshit scale, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so. This this season of Ahsoka has largely stayed in that zone. But like, I think there's a couple points this episode where we got we we pegged a ten. We pegged a ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of about. And it kind of betrayed the the characters and the themes and and the badassery of of certain people. And you know, they just like I, they just traded it all away for a cheap laugh that didn't even land. Uh, and it's, it's so like it's it's a mixed bag. I really like the Thrawn stuff. I really enjoyed all of the lightsaber uh, lightsabery. I really enjoyed Ezra Bridger's like Star Wars Force Monk routine. I always <laughs> okay. when I was back when I played Star Wars role playing game because I, th- I think I played the Star Wars role playing game more than any other role playing system in my life. It's a crutch where I could play Dungeons hmm. and Dragons without violating my religious code. <laughs> um, but I think one of I can't remember if it was the West End game or maybe it was the first time um, Wizards of, was it Wizards of the Coast that did the the first D twenty, but it was essentially a reskin of Dungeons and Dragons. Like everything was just I felt, and they had this particular Jedi like it's it's clearly a monk class, you know, um, healing like faith based, uh, per, uh, no lightsaber, just like close combat and punching and kicking, and it's all this like force tradition of like force judo and i thought that was so cool and i got to see you know but i was never you know the received wisdom is monks always suck so i never never had the balls to roll one but i it looked it looked really fun ezra playing a force monk i like that a lot um but yeah there, there's a couple points where feloni just put the lever to 10 on the saturday morning cartoon bullshit scale and mm-hmm. uh, it really really felt the the suspension of disbelief crashing how about you uh i was happy to see that i'm much more impressed with thrawn this episode he's no longer just the big music guy uh where all of the score is doing the heavy lifting to tell me how badass he is uh he actually has some solid tactical uh or i guess strategic intelligence here and i this is the Thrawn that people are telling me about right the guy who's one step ahead of you at every turn um and i felt it this episode and that was nice because we're almost through this season, and I didn't want to leave this season feeling like Thrawn was just the guy with the music. <laughs> no, that was the best part, because I remember the first, I think it was the first Thrawn book, like, you know, Thrawn's got this huge maneuver, and he's doing this thing, and it's just this big, it's like a heist, 
and like Luke and Lando and Leia and Han and everybody are just like almost a step behind stopping it and they do all the Star Wars shit like Luke's waving his lightsaber and Han's doing his thing and and Lando's working with slicers to override this and that and they fucking win <laughs> and then you get to the end of the book and this was all part of Thrawn's like you know the hero oh. like all the heroes doing their hero Star Wars shit and uh-huh. the villain still managed to find because because all that heroic shit they kind of like Zahn exposes like well this is just very naive way to think about things like it's it's very short-sighted reactionary heroics and Thrawn is two steps ahead kind of guy and and I'm glad I, I think I was I, I was impressed with Thrawn last episode but this is the heart of his character the it's it's not particularly I think uh, impressive from a strategic like you know no one's going to study this sure, at, sure. some NATO institute or whatever <laughs> but uh. He does exploit the hero's naivete and lack of strategic thinking and um, and emotion and desire to help others and things like that. Right. He he knows kind of how they think and he's going to use that against them to get his goals, right. which are much more strategy based. Right. Uh, not not we, trying to help anybody. And you think of Kylo Ren, how utterly he got suckered in by Luke, you know, the whole more more like Thrawn uh, will never do that. Thrawn <laughs> wanted to kill Ezra. Yeah. And he wanted to kill Ahsoka, but it's not his primary objective. His primary objective is loading whatever horrifying cargo he got from the for- the Sith Witch's basement mm-hmm. to do whatever the fuck he's going to do with next. And that's all he really cares about. Everything else is acceptable losses. And I, I, I think it's a really cool take on a Star Wars villain. It's like that time, uh, we, you know, Kylo Ren got like so ass mad about Luke that he stops the whole invasion to do a one-on-one duel and then has his entire army fire on him for like 17 minutes or whatever. Thrawn's never going to do that. Thrawn's never going to lose sight mm-hmm. of his primary objective. Like he wants to kill Ezra and Ahsoka, sure. And if he can do so in passing, he obviously will take that opportunity primary goal is getting whatever horrifying Sith mysteries that he's excavating out of this witch's basement and loading it into his cargo pod uh, and, and he's gonna he's gonna fuck with the new Republic with that so I, I just I, I'm I'm super I feel very happy that all of that characterization is coming through with Thrawn I had a really interesting um, piece of feedback about like the cautionary side of you know how you can like Saturday morning it's like like Thrawn is such a great character but if you're not careful you can Saturday morning cartoon him mm-hmm. like if the great mm-hmm. s- s- tactical master is always outwitted by these children running around with their lightsabers then he's pretty he's going to get warped right he's going to not look so cool <laughs> sure um, but we'll, we'll get we'll tackle that in the the, the feedback um, right now I'm pretty happy yeah and I I, I wish they died they kept that uh, that that uh, Saturday morning cartoon bullshit dialed below five, but got away from him a couple times. Yeah, just a couple times. Uh, but overall, I was pleased with the episode. I, I had very little to complain about. It was fun. There's a couple points I really liked, like those Nodi transports. Oh my god, yeah, just obsessed. Cool. Fell in love with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll probably talk about those for quite a bit in those scenes. Um, Maybe we should get into the recap. Let's do what it. Say? Yep. We're not interested in Jedi protocol. We'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for your training, Padawan. Here's more Tribe of Two. All right, let's start back on Coruscant, where Hera is uh, answering for her insubordination. She's been brought before the senators, and she butts head with one senator, the Ziono guy, uh, who doesn't seem to like her and doesn't believe her story. And C-3PO shows up and presents a transcription that claims that Leia personally sanctioned Hera's mission, which settles the matter in their eyes. Uh, and then Mon Mothma asks Hera how real the threat of Thrawn's return is, and she says, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. That's what I do. That's, that's what I do in my life. Prepare yeah. for the worst, hope for the best. I always prepare for the worst. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or to the best of my ability, anyway. Uh, actually, I hope for the worst prepare for the best. I plan for a total fucking catastrophe and I'm somehow uh, surprised when things uh, work out and I'm unable to deal with like oh my god success and happiness what Jesus how do yeah. you survive in these conditions but um, well you just prepare for the worst again right <laughs> you just prepare <laughs> for catastrophe you know Always. the 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 perils of having a hater project or movement is that you just you just spiral into sub factions and I, I don't know how we're going to subdivide the yard but because I feel like I feel like um, that some of the commentary we're going to make is going to be sharply divide people. Um, oh, does so, so? Let's start with the things I think the yard, the us folks of the yard, the the, the guardians of the yard, the yardians. Uh, I yeah, think that uh-huh. we can all agree on, which is what is Dave Filoni playing at with his politics here? This is insane shit. Like the fact that a strong military leader can just do whatever the hell she wants and protect the Republic in the way that she best fits. Like, why is why am I being forced to to, to like defend the obvious shit heel Imperial bootlicker? Why, she's why am I on his side? Organa Solo. Like she's she's Leia, man. Okay, so like we can have philosopher kings and benevolent dictators because they're always going to be philosophical and benevolent, right? Yeah, that's that's what we yeah, want. We want strong Wars, people with magic absolutely. blood just shanghaiing all the central government whenever they feel and their feelings. That in in our fantasy are... fiction, absolutely. No problem. Leia, Leia has done so much for the rebellion and now the New Republic that she gets a lot of latitude. I was deeply uncomfortable with some of the rhetoric coming from the generals in this episode. Yeah, Uh, I I put my Filoni hat on there for a second. It didn't fit. It was really big and I look awkward in it, but I was trying. (laughs) I was trying Filoni. um, So I I thought uh, it's um, I I thought I'm pretty sure Admiral Akbar sitting next to this Imperial bootlicker. I mean, he looks just like Admiral Akbar. He's got the five. You know, Alpo dog food star, blue stars mm. for Admiral Admiralty Akbar, versus. Didn't Akbar get killed by an Ewok on Indoor? Okay, I could have mm. sworn. <laughs> Maybe in the Caravan of Courage. Is that, <laughs> that a post credit scene in the Caravan of Courage? <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, we have some Yardians that are 
not happy with C-3PO showing up in the scene. I, I um, can understand that. Yeah, I feel I, you a little bit. Can I can I play? Um, actually, this is fine yard behavior defense. Yeah, you you wear the felony hat for a little bit. Yeah, I think there's a difference between like Yoda showing up on Kashiak and saying, "Actually, Chewbacca's been my boy for like a century, and he's just going to help me into this escape pod and take off because we've been we've been bros forever." And C three PO on the in the capital of the new republic at the like in the capital city sent on behalf of his owner Leia Organa Solo to interfere with the government like this is the perfect place for C3PO to show up like this makes tons of sense this isn't oh by the way Darth Vader the backyard desert slave boy screwed together C3PO in his spare time this is connections that are already there to be made it's no, no, I, I, I'm offended that Leia just decides that she's going to take over the new Republic government. And Mon Mothma's like, huh, I hope she knows what she's doing. I guess I'm the boss, but, you know, she's Leia Organa. She could force choke me to death. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. But C-3PO's golden ass coming in there to deliver the bullshit Jedi ultimatum. I, I felt like that was a good use of 3PO. It's the the thing that bothers me about it is there was no indication that Hera was back channeling anything here, and I what? I thought there was very much implications that she had tried a whole bunch of and was still trying to get things kind of like back back cleared Bef- through before this. What was what yeah. was the indication? I what I, I don't know. I th- I don't know. I, I thought it was just something she was saying to Carson and Tiva like implies that she was still trying to use or I don't know. Maybe maybe she I'm was wrong. always like, "Don't worry about it. I'll deal with it." And so, so, like, in my mind, she was just going to talk her way out of it. I didn't realize she was actively working on, you know, powerful back channels to to make all this stuff go away. Um, I, I do think that, like, where I did think Filoni pumped the Saturday morning cartoon channel a little hard is making Leia be the essentially head of the Pentagon. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that Senator Organa is probably powerful enough to interfere with any committee that she wants to. I don't need you to make her the supreme commander of the military, I guess, to win the argument because it makes this other senator look like a dumbass. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's some random senator arguing with the secretary of defense about an act of war situation or something. It's just, it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I there's like, like I said, there's a lot of problems with the scene. I just three PO strangely wasn't the one thing I had with it. Yeah, the complication here is we know he's a dumbass, right? We know the threat is real. We know Hera's story is true. He's right. being willfully... Uh, he, he's willfully opposing her, not because he has any real objection, but he he almost doesn't like her. And I, I don't know why. I don't know what the relationship is, but it feels very personal here. Well, I guess I get the idea because I remember reading into him and he's like uh, the uncle of one of the main characters of Rebels that he was always like an imperial apologist, like kind of like you shouldn't be kicking Jesus the goat. Christ, then you why does this be... guy have such a high seat? <laughs> like, do you guys? OK, it's one thing All to of keep us Americans... around to build starships and do logistics because we have to. But it's another to have a senator placed in a position of power when they were the lapdog of the empire before 
Well, that's right. That's what that's when we won World War Two. We just executed every single Axis officer, uh, head of state, down to like the get dog catcher. Like you just you just purge every single uh, German with the Nazi aff- affiliation. Every every Japanese uh, that said they worshipped the Emperor. You just like I mean, you can't do that. I think that's one of the things that this era of Star Wars is reckoning with. Is like, well, how would you go forward from this civil war like this? You know, where you still have mm-hmm. people of divided loyalties. I mean, shit, p- 150 years going on after Civil War, we still have, like, tons of divided loyalties in, in our country. So it's like, I don't have any problem with with that, that he, that you got a prominent, he's, not, I, like I said, I, I, I don't think he's a prominent imperial. He's not like Moff Tarkin. He was just, hey, I don't agree with this rebel shit. This isn't the way the galaxy should work, kind of. You should respect the order or whatnot. And that's what he's kind of like, and that's why I think he has a point. You can't just have these old military heroes doing whatever the fuck they want. This isn't a rebellion anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I'm very angry that I'm having to carry water for this fucking shit heel because I just basically think this bullshit banana republic benevolent dictator stuff is is not cool. Anyway. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh Let's go over to Ahsoka. She's training with her lightsabers while getting a verbal instruction from Anakin uh, as a hologram. Huyang stops in to say that they are reaching the end of their journey, though he worries they won't find Sabine wherever they end up. And they drop out of hyperspace and realize the star whales are under attack and they're in a minefield. And Ahsoka pilots them through that, but they're attacked by fighters, so they dodge into the debris field around the planet. I think I dug the Anakin ho- uh, hollow scene. You know, this is a clearly an uh, Ahsoka reflecting on her role as master and whether she did as good a job preparing her pupil as Anakin did to prepare her. Um, I does it's good stuff, and you know him telling her that uh, uh, you know I won't always be here. You're gonna have to make this your own. Don't be afraid. Trust your instincts. Like, that's what you want to hear from your master when you're on the cusp of graduating. That, like, you're going to be okay. You know, you're, you've been trained well. Mm-hmm. Trust trust your gut and you'll be fine. Um, and it clearly, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's interesting character development for her to acknowledge that she thinks uh, Anakin was a good master. So did he make these right before she ran away? I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. I. I these, these recordings. Don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, it, I don't know what the timing is. I know that she got framed for some bullshit Jedi crime she didn't commit, and then Anakin got her cleared from the suspicion at some point, and then she's like, "Fuck you guys for even blaming me," and then left, like ran away. I don't. I don't know what that means to leave. Yeah, the Jedi or like yeah abandoned like ran away from the temple and abandoned her duties and training and, and then Anakin fell like that was like right before return revenge of the Sith I think yeah it would have to be because it's but after yeah. the Clone Wars right it's after order 66 so like yeah yeah if anybody wants to set the straight on timeline I wouldn't mind it because like I said I'm I'm based I feel like I got the the details kind of sort of right but it's pretty hazy but, but mm-hmm. yeah at some point Yes, that's the thing. It's like uh, if and if Ahsoka hadn't have like ran off, what would she have done when Anakin turned? You know, yeah. If she stayed, would he have turned? If she didn't, if she'd stayed, would she have turned? All fascinating questions, I'm sure, for Rebel fans. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, oh, yeah. I I thought this was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, I didn't like how they played Ahsoka, realizing that they're using the whales for like, you know, like like living shields. You know, like they come out of hyperspace. No one expected the Imperials to lay the mines, and the whales are instantly getting attacked. They're in pain. They're yelling. Uh, and then Hyang says, like, well, at least the whales are, like, protecting us from the blast at some point. And I felt like I would expect a Jedi to show some kind of flash of pain or something. The fact that there's, like, dozens of these intelligent beings around them, you know, in confusion and pain. And that, like, we're also responsible. Like, we asked them to help us and they did. And now we've gotten this all this trouble. But instead, she's just like, when they break off and jump into hyperspace to get away, she's like, oh, great. You had to say something like. She was perfectly fine using the whale. I don't. It didn't feel very Jedi. And I thought. I thought it was a missed opportunity to have her kind of like wincing in pain and like who Yang can be an asshole and callous about that kind of stuff because that's kind of his shtick. And her being like, you know, they didn't even ask for this, and maybe being relieved when the whales got out. I don't know. Am I crazy? Mm-hmm. No, you're not. I mean, this is how you know they're bad guys. They're proximity mining star whales, like sentient beings. It's yeah, <laughs> defenseless sentient beings. It's not cool, man. You can collaborate with the, the witches and and you know try and blow up the galaxy all you want, but th- these are innocent creatures. And you're I'm not saying the them. Imperials are. I'm saying that like Ahsoka comes across as heartless and uncaring. Oh, I know. She's had- I know what you're saying. Okay. All right. But all right. but they're also like telling us, oh, these are bad guys. These are really bad guys because they don't give a yeah. shit about. They're hunting the whales. Thing they should. They're, but they're- yeah, I mean, to your point, sure. If you're going to tell us that these are bad guys by doing this, you should also tell us that Ahsoka is a good guy by having showing her a flash of regret that she got these peaceful, yeah. intelligent, sentient creatures majestic graceful into this situation mm-hmm. and I, the other thing is like i really hope if i ever see these goddamn purgils again they have some kind of chip on their shoulder about this like <laughs> we have like this is like the second time we've helped you and what has it gotten us but like a bunch of grief like why what are we getting out of this maybe there's some uh elegant rebels explanation in season 17 episode 59 that talks about the blood oath that the Purgils owe all Jedi or some shit. But like, I, I, I need the Purgils to have, if they are conscious sentient beings with long memories and a rich culture and all that kind of bullshit, I expect them to kind of like not be as, you shouldn't just be able to go out there in your air, your spaceship and, and, and wave your hand at them. That, that shouldn't, that sh- that shouldn't be the thing that you get to do. Are we sure there are even, star whales out there anymore is this a genocide they talk about how this I is think, their migratory pattern and they've proximity mined the entire system here oh so, shit you're right this is this is, is another this is like the, the Ewok of, yeah yeah the indoor holocaust this is uh-huh. another like the empire has just killed all purgil because this yeah they have to come bury their dead they can hyperspace away but they're gonna eventually lose all their whales this is like uh yeah you know all the unrecovered ordinance in World War One, mm-hmm. like French children blowing their legs off. Situation generations later, it's it's a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm with you though. I hope I hope they this have is, some kind of memory. Yeah, space whales should carry a grudge. Is, is all I'm saying. Like, because mm-hmm. like the other thing is, uh, it's the pain's not over for the Purgils because Thrawn's going to open up and just 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 blow holes through their sacred burial place. And again, if oh, they're yeah. a sentient creature. They should feel a certain way about giant turbo laser shafts just blowing the shit out of their ancestors. I guess so. 
I mean, it depends on the Persil. I wouldn't give a shit. Like, it's bones and <laughs> dust and rocks and shit. I don't care. That's because you're that's because you're a fat, lazy, self-satisfied Westerner. If you were some kind of oppressed, uh, it, driven to extinction space whale, and all you had was your pride and your culture, you, that shit would mean something to you. Hmm. I suppose so. That's possible. But you got a PlayStation Five, and that's not that's, my that's, what, that's what the problem is. I don't care. Aliens can come down and blow up all our cemeteries. Doesn't matter to me. That's just. That's just More land matter. Put put a put a Chipotle on it. Just yeah, yeah. Just glass of cemeteries. Mm-hmm. Get, get some in and outs on there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move over to Thrawn getting word that Ahsoka is alive, and Morgan gives him all the information she has on her, and he notices that Anakin was her master and calls the fighter the fighters back to control all the variables. Uh, so um, where we start seeing that he might be smart. We got the most email from everyone inside the yard, outside the yard to let us know that Enoch is being portrayed by one Wes Chatham. Right. Who I have been on the lookout all seat because I knew if you looked at the preview, I was really excited as I kept on. It's like, where is Wes? And I'm like, I kind of forgot. Mm-hmm. Is this the most criminal misuse of a badass that you've ever seen. It's close. It's close. Uh, yeah, I, you're going to hide West Chatham's face. Come on, man. He's that guy. Yeah. Look, I thought Gwendolyn Christie was bad, but sh- her mm-hmm. voice was recognizable. There's yeah. nothing. And the thing is, is like, I don't even know that West has a good stormtrooper voice. He's kind of got like the whole thing mm-hmm. about, Amos on the expanses. This is like a good-looking, laid-back kind of dude that is a terrifying, violent psychopath. Uh, that's his whole shtick. But like, if he's just got this electro gravel voice and a gold face, why the hell yeah. do you hire Wes Chatham to play him? Right. He's got to yeah, get his unrecognizable. So he got to. He's got to take his. Got to take his helmet off at some point, right? Yeah, but it's such a cool helmet. Are they really going to have him take it off? Right it's the Mandalorian thing but at least yeah. Pedro Pascal you know has got like a light I'm speaking through a, vo- a filter voice uh-huh. but like it's still recognizable Pedro this is just oh yeah, yeah so like no wonder I didn't recognize him it's like why would I he's he's there's nothing about him is coming through in the performance and it's a shame because like I said he's like uh you know Amos is top four five awesome TV character of all time territory for me yeah well, we'll see what happens with him. Hopefully they can pop that helmet off. Uh, and then Ahsoka lands on some star whale debris, shuts down the ship. Hu Yang runs a scan to try and locate Sabine. Just kind of hiding out. Um, I, I don't know what um, Filoni is doing because now he's doing direct Star Wars quotes. You know, he had the, we're going to get pulverized if we stay out here much longer, which is a direct quote from Princess Leia, accurate quote from Empire Strikes Back. Is he just like quoting from memory and he just gets them wrong like I do sometimes? Or is he fucking like some, because like I don't, there's no pattern here. There's no, sometimes Mm -hmm. he, he like alters the quote at oblique angles. Sometimes it's right. I just don't know what to do. Uh, I guess you just got to relax, man. He's gonna he's gonna do this. I, he also did the uh, the never tell me the odds thing, right? But that was like at such an angle, it's almost unrecognizable. 
That's uh, what I'm saying. He's he's sometimes he bastardizes him. Sometimes it's 100 percent faithful mm-hmm. fidelity. He's just maybe maybe this is him saying get off his lawn, like yeah, stop stop obsessing fine. about all of the conventions of Star Wars. I'm breaking them. I got I got I got ghost wolves and shit, man. Uh-huh. Getting a quote one word wrong is the least of your problems. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, it's it's really stopped bothering me. I I hear them and I'm like, oh yeah, that's. I acknowledge that that's a thing. You know, it's it's not bothering me. It's like, have you ever seen, like, um, every once in a while you'll see a video, like a YouTube short or a TikTok, where someone will take one of those kid toys. Remember those, like, balls that your parents would give you, and they'd have, like, a plus shape shape that you could push through the plus shape thing, and there's a triangle plastic shape that you could push through the triangle hole, and there's mm-hmm. the circle for the circle, and it's supposed to teach you, well, as an adult, you can realize that you can shove that circle thing through the triangle, you can shove it through the square, and there's like, you know, like people doing that, like putting the wrong shapes through the wrong holes, just as, a, and it's like, it doesn't bother me, but it's one of those things that's like, what's happening? Why are you doing this? And I feel like that's what, hmm. I'm watching, a, I'm, I'm watching a Filoni shove a plus shaped quote through a square shaped hole and i'm like like you can do that but but why (laughs) sure hello man it's it's for the fans to point and say aha i recognize that thing it's like you know when i see a band and they're playing their classics Mm -hmm. i don't really like it when they embellish it I like yeah, it when they just the they same. just they just play it straight, you know. It's fine if you throw an extended solo this or th- that, but like if you really fuck up the tempo or it just I just just you know play Freebird, man. Yeah, I know you've played it six hundred thousand times, but we we've only heard it this once. I paid six hundred thousand uh, dollars for this ticket, so play it mm-hmm. the way I heard it on the record <laughs> three thousand times. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there for sure. Uh, uh, so Ahsoka, no, they they travel the desert in Nodi transports. Uh, Sabine and Ezra here, and Sabine catches Ezra up on everything he missed while he was out here. Although she still can't tell him anything about the circumstances that brought her here. And then we see Balin and uh, Shin watching them from a ridge. I love the Nodi. I am really obsessed. If there isn't some handy Star Wars nerd out there right now converting a teardrop ta- trailer to look just like one of these Nodi transports that I don't know the Star Wars fandom at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. These are so cute. Just the way they they're, yeah, like, they're like teardrop trailers. You ride like a wagon on top and it's they're just cute. There's very like someone said this yeah. last week about how Studio Ghibli the space whales were this sure. shit is super Ghibli. This is like some little Japanese girl moves out in the country at the age of 10, and these she goes out in the woods, these fuckers pull up and become her best friends instantly. And they got... They're they're cute without being annoying. They're like... They're stereotypically peaceful, defensive people, but they're not above opening up a window and hitting a motherfucker with a frying pan. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, that's this is the best. This is one of the best new things they've done since Baby Yoda in terms of Saturday morning (laughs) bullshit, riding the line kind of stuff. Yeah, love them. They're not they're not annoying like Gungans. They're not like, yeah, they they hit the right balance there. Um, They did, and I think the and I like you know how thematic everything is, right? Like or how much of a motif there is with these creatures. They've got these turtle shells. They can kind of look like rocks, and then their vehicles are kind of designed around that. Um, it really makes it feel alive. I think. Yeah, I don't know something about it. Just like and the fact that they're no none are alike. 
Um, mm-hmm. when I, some things when I'm watching the space whales move, I'm struck by like, oh, these are just the same models that are just doing the same movements. They're just slightly, you know, it's but like these are just all visually distinct. They're different sizes and shapes and configuration. I just, yeah, I love it. Um, the conversation is really funny because this is another like Ezra is trying to like, okay, so when are we going home for real? Why are you here? How are you here? And Sabine's like, ah, just you know, let's just keep, uh, just just keep it, just keep it loose. I'm not ready to get down to the details and. He, yeah. for some reason, continues to placate her. Yeah, he's giving her a pretty wide latitude here. Um, and, and I don't know what the relationship is like, you know. It, I don't know if this is well within character. Like, oh, Sabine just, you know, sometimes doesn't want to say things, and so he yeah. lets her get away with it. Or if Could this be. is out of the ordinary for her. Um, couldn't tell you, but I, I, I think they can't do this much longer, right? They can't be like... Hey, how did you get here? And she goes, I don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, she, I want to talk about it. This information has to come out. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it does help that she has an extraordinary amount of insane news to catch him up on. Like yes. the whole ass Galactic <laughs> Empire, Empire has fallen. fallen. Yeah. You know, uh, Luke Skywalker killed the, the, uh-huh. the, the son of Anakin Skywalker killed uh, the, the Emperor. And I thought, oh, eh, from also. From a certain point of view. Also, I wasn't a huge fan of her being like, oh, that's what people are saying. Like, really? You're going to play it like the fucking emperor? Maybe, like, yeah, yeah. You're really going to try to to sell that somehow clones? Palpatine's returned. You're really going to try mm-hmm. to work your way back and make that. I don't know. That's uh, it's a high degree of difficulty maneuver to still maintain. It's still stay in the boundaries of the yard. I think you're going to you're going to yeah, you're going to we'll go see. off the mat there, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that is that is pretty distracting, right? From the question of how did you get here? Yeah, Ezra's really pulling off. You remember, like in the uh, religion we were growing up, and they they you know, always had these illustrations of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, the elders would always like talk about the fact that, uh, or at least I got this speech. You know, it's like you think it's hard to turn down women. You try being Jesus, boy. <laughs> this man <laughs> had the perfect perfect body. He had a perfect face, uh-huh. perfect hair, perfect skin a, and complexion. He could do a perfect British accent too. He was a he was he a British. he was a carpenter, had a trade, probably had some money, powerful hands. Uh, and and <laughs> the elders you, are thinking about Jesus, powerful hands. No, dude, it, it's it's a little you weird, right? Stereo servant, is that when you get the speech about <laughs> Jesus's perfect body? Because ah, so, I never got so, this. So okay, yeah, you didn't you didn't make it high enough in the masonry ranks. Uh-uh. So so the thing is, is like he's consistently illustrated as a very attractive man uh, in Jehovah's sure, Witnesses sure. literatures. But every once in a while, one of those Bethlehem illustrators, it would get away from him, and the whole power and like they would just drop a sexy ass Jesus on us. Like he's he's like <laughs> John the like like open. like like yeah like he's like John the Baptist standing back in awe of Jesus bursting uh-huh. out of the the River Jordan, water glistening off his abs, <laughs> piercing blue eyes, looking right off the page at you, smoldering, pitching heat. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. what Ezra is giving. He is caught between sexy Moses and Prince of Egypt and mm-hmm. sexy Jesus in some random Watchtower article I read in 1997. Uh, but it's it's really working for the guy. <laughs> really working for him. Sure. He speaks Nodi now, which, you know, that's hot when you speak a foreign language. <laughs> yeah. Right? Intelligence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every, everything a Star Wars gal would want or guy. 
Uh, yeah, frankly, put the cover on that cockpit and they can just go to town. <sighs> Why not? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, they've never noticed each other as attractive. Apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah. They're brother sister, so. Yeah. That, that kind of relationship. No, they're not. They're not literally brothers and sisters. No, I know. It's okay, I just want to make sure. Just yeah. want to make sure. Well aware. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, get away from hot Jesus Ezra for a second. <laughs> let's Please. Go, let's go over to Thrawn, asking the Great Mothers to find Ahsoka. They bust out their laser balls and, and go to work. I don't know. Uh, you why, know why the laser balls? I mean... <sighs> Ahsoka doesn't need no laser balls. Well, Ahsoka's not a terrifying Dathomiri witch. Um, I, yeah, what do often... these witches do? Are they tech based? Are they force based? I'm not sure. I, I don't know. You're gonna you're gonna give someone to send me a 17 paragraph yeah. Yeah, dissertation sorry. on the night witches of Dathomir as understood by Dave Filoni. I I don't know, and like I've kind of like rolled my eyes at how often they're using these like three laser balls and what all they can do, but. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it was kind of cool that they they're doing using like Sith divining rods to find the location of her. I thought that was kind of cool. It reminded me of Independence Day, where Jeff Goldblum's like, "I need to triangulate the position of my wife's cell phone in the White House," and so we got to get like, you got to get multiple points to triangulate, right? That's that's to me what these are. They're like triangulating something. Yeah, they're dark side powers. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was kind of cool, and then also like why Thrawn was not super interested in pursuing through this crazy environment. Which that's another. This is a, I think this is a pretty unique Star Wars environment. This like it's kind of like got the elements of Empire Strikes Back asteroid field, but with like a fog of war because it's all bony and mm-hmm. you know. I thought that was a really really cool environment, and my prediction from last week came true. Like when I said I was just joking about like these whale fall sustained this whole uh, ecosystem of tube worms and space crabs and they fucking do did you notice really? when Ahsoka's chilling in her cockpit you can see all these like space shrimp and huh. worms and stuff like working their way through the, the, the corpses of the space whales nice no I didn't see that that's cool I like the idea of space dwelling life forms I, don't, mm-hmm. I think that's just an inherently cool concept yeah I'm with you is that something that you think exists in the other galaxy in the OG <sighs> galaxy or is that just out here I mean, I, mean, I know have we have space the asteroid. Yeah, that's what the, I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they're the ultimate invasive species, right? If like any species ever evolves to live in space, they would just hitch a ride everywhere, and they could live anywhere. So it's like, it's like mm-hmm. the old Republic after ten thousand years, they're just lousy with space worms and space crabs and minox, right? Like they actually have mm-hmm. parasites that they pick up in space. It's so cool. Yeah. All right, uh, Yang scan for Sabine fails. Ahsoka decides to reach out with the Force to find her, which she probably should have just done in the first place. It works, but it also allows the Great Mothers to locate Ahsoka. And Thrawn but, tells Captain Enoch to, Enoch to blow him up. They start firing, and Ahsoka flees. Did she have the connection, though, Jim? She's, she's like, you know, what? She like, that's got to be... That's really embarrassing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you go to make a connection and it doesn't work. Oh, Yeah. Right, it's like all hypothetical. Like, oh, she's my student. Of, it's, of it's course, like, I could reach out to this force and feel her. But it's like, have you put in the real master student time, though, Ahsoka? Have you yeah. built that bond? It's like if you got arrested one night and it's like four in the morning, and you're like, ah, oh, it's fine. I'll just call up my buddy. He'll bail me out, no problem. Uh-huh. And the buddy just like, 
he's like, oh man, can can I get you tomorrow? He just doesn't take like, your call. Or, and, and, and not like well, it rings to voicemail, like it rings one time and he and puts it, you to voicemail. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. fuck this guy, it's 4 a.m. Like, I That's... thought we had something that apparently we don't. So she's putting she's putting a lot on the line making this call, you know. But she, it doesn't but she work. gets it, right? It works. She does. She does. Yeah. She does. Uh, so apparently there is a bond there of some kind. So uh, I, I, here's where I start to really respect what Thrawn is doing, right? Because this is all this is all part of the plan in the best way, in my opinion. Because we know his plan, we know his goal. His goal is to get the hell back to his original galaxy. Um, and everything he's doing here is in service of that. He's using a couple of ships here to distract Ahsoka. He's using Balin's position to distract Ahsoka. To he's he's sending, you know, Ezra or, or sending Sabine out to find Ezra so that she's not so that she's drawing Ahsoka away when Ahsoka shows up. Mm-hmm. It's all this stuff is adding up to a guy who clearly has his goal in mind and is doing everything to service that, but also doing things that could be beneficial in an ancillary kind of way. Like, ah, if we get Ezra, we get Ezra, you know? Yeah, he's got primary goals, secondary goals, tertiary, all the way down. But, like, he's never going to let the lower levels interfere at the top levels. Right. And there is one quibble I have towards the end of the episode where, like, I can't reconcile what Thrawn is saying with what I'm seeing on the ground. But maybe mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, maybe I'm misinterpreting something. I'm, I'm curious to see what you think about it. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what that is. Uh, so then Sabine spots Balin and Shin on the ridge and they change direction. Balin sends Shin to kill Sabine and Ezra because apparently his path lies elsewhere. He's just going to hang back. And I don't really know what he's talking about by the end of this episode. Dude, me either. I am completely perplexed. Uh, this is goes to the crux of what I don't understand because if... Darth Swanson here doesn't step off the path to distract Ahsoka. I don't think Thrawn's plan works. And yet, mm-hmm. every time Thrawn sees him, he's like, where's Darth Swanson? Darth Swanson seems curiously absent, Lady Morgan. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Can you not see? Do your fancy scanners only work on, like, two acres of ground? Can you not look over? Oh, oh, he's over there with the fight of his life against Ahsoka. Ahsoka comes mm-hmm. in like a wrecking ball. All our shit gets, d- and, like... I, I don't know. I, I thought it was weird. May, or maybe maybe it does work out because if Darth Swanson was there, they would have killed Ezra and Sabine and then Ahsoka could have been abandoned or left. Or I, I, I But there's something about that that feels a little loosey-goosey. Like, why doesn't mm-hmm. Darth Swanson just tell Darth Grimes what he's doing? Like, you yeah, know this Ahsoka chick sure. that's been fucking up our shit all season long? I gotta put a stop to that. You mm-hmm. know? Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Because uh, it also felt it also felt like a dismissal, like not like our like, hey, you do this. I'm going to do this. It's like our like you're going to go join the Empire. I'm going to go uh-huh. do my own thing. And yeah, it, I, it felt, I think this is the last that he will see of Shin. Certainly. Do you think Grimes took it as a dismissal? Because it felt like she was a little mm-hmm. she went from a hero worship last episode that she feels a little betrayed. I felt like. Yeah, for sure. I, I think she read the scene the same way I did, which is he's dismissing you not just in this instance, but altogether. Are they setting up Sabine and Darth Grimes to be like 
like like uh, counter posed examples that you're going to see Sabine fall to like the dark side, and you're going to see the redemption uh. of Darth Grimes, and I assume they'll eventually redeem Sabine again too. But I keep going back to Sabine has to pay a price for the bullshit that she's done to the galaxy at large, and Grimes seems to positioned is maybe having a change of heart, or at least they're giving her a whole bunch of reasons for her character to question her, you know, loyalty to her side. Yes, I agree. I don't know if there's going to be a switch there, because I think the the only real price that Sabine could pay is for Ezra to be pissed at her, right? Like, for Ezra to disown her or something, like, for that relationship to crumble because of what she did. Mm. So, like... That that's where I think it's going. I think Ezra is going to be so offended by the things she's done to save him that all of it will be for nothing because he won't be her friend anymore. At least temporarily. Yeah, that feels unsatisfying. That the only the the, the only thing she'll she'll feel is the uh, disapproval of Ezra and him rejecting her. But like, I you're right. It's I don't the think thing she, that matters she, to her. You she know? doesn't care about anything else. If she cared about anything else, she wouldn't have done the thing she did. So right. right. And I guess that's like Anakin, you know, the Padme's rejection of him was like that mm-hmm. was the thing that hurt him the most. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it's, it's the only thing you could take away from her that would matter enough to to pay a price uh, for what she did. Yeah. it'd be. I think it'd be a cool idea because I think the idea of this Padawan raised, uh, you know, by this kind of uh, fallen Jedi finding a path back to like the Luke Skywalker. So I think that'd be a, a cool story, but I was also, it, it felt like I said, I, I was kind of surprised that he didn't like cut her Padawan braid or do some kind of like graduation ceremony. Cause he did, it did feel like, you know, she was being promoted to whatever master or at least yeah, night, but full we, night. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's rare that I wish I knew more about the timeline, but, uh, this is one of those instances. I just really kind don't of know when that is. Uh, specifically, Ahsoka's training. Oh, oh okay, gotcha. Because I don't know. I I don't think she graduated. Right? Is that the thing? Like she never graduated from her training. She just ran away. That's what I've been getting from the show. Yeah. That she's not quite a full fledged Jedi. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, man. Star Wars at baldmove.com. I wouldn't mind uh, learning, you know, just like some straightforward. Again, I don't know if I need 17 paragraphs, but yeah, like exactly when did she leave? Ish, did she complete her training? Did she ever sit on the Jedi Council? Is she like a Padawan, a knight, something in between? Mm-hmm. Beware the Sith. We will return. Are you hearing voices too? Welcome back to Tribe of Two. Uh, also, Balin. He's a guy who knows a thing or two about strategy as well. Uh, mm-hmm. His line, impatience for victory will guarantee defeat, is a solid one. And uh, it rolled off her like water off a duck's back. <laughs> sure. <laughs> she came in to that fight thirsty as hell. Yeah, I mean, he sent her there to fight. Was she supposed to say, oh, you're right, master. I'll stay by your side and not fight. 
No, uh, I think more of like just just you know be a little bit slow, and methodical. Don't be too quick to one up the this uh, half trained Mandalorian, you know, Boken Jedi or whatever. Like, don't don't try mm-hmm. to just just win, you know. Yeah, yeah. She she tried, but didn't work out. I felt um, like she sent to fail. Honestly, she wasn't really like it was like she he was she was sent on something that she couldn't handle, but. Also, he's for damn sure knows that she can't handle Ahsoka, so... Yeah, I mean, she was just a distraction. Uh, so, you're right about that. Yeah, I think that's a lot of stuff that hurts when you're going to come to those realizations. All right, let's go over to Thrawn. He sends two gunships to help Shin kill Sabine and Ezra, and there's a battle. I'm not going to recap the battle. It's a battle. I did like um, the, the. It's a pretty thrilling chase, you know, because I there's stakes. I like these Nodi. I, I like Sabine and uh, Ezra, and you know, you got these these hulking mercenaries against these cute little crab people with fucking slingshots as their best armament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then circling the wagons. That, I, I am worried that they're gonna make too many comparisons to Ewoks. Um, but but I think the saving grace here is they don't do an amazing job fighting them off, right? It's not yeah. like they take out an entire regiment of stormtroopers with these True. rocks. True. Uh, and the ones they do, you know, there, there are some direct allusions to indoor, right? Like with the uh, two logs slamming uh, ATAT to pieces, they do that with the ships here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the transports, whatever. Yeah, they're getting but their licks. I feel in, like it worked. I, I always feel like people underestimate the Ewoks a little bit like it's always like lol the imperial's best legions get taken down by teddy bears but it's like no it's more like black bears with opposable thumbs you know using uh human level intelligence to construct fiendish uh uh traps and and they were still getting their ass kicked until chewbacca stole the atsd Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that's the thing that, that that turned the tide so I always think that uh, people people don't give the Ewoks enough credit for. I, I wouldn't want to fight five hundred black bears wielding <laughs> stone axes, no matter how short they are. I wouldn't yeah. want to fight five hundred black bears with fucking machine guns, or like with me having machine guns. I mean, that's oh, just yeah, like yeah. that's not a fair fight, man. It's true. Here's the thing: I don't have a problem with any of that. Come on, Sabine, hit something for God's sake. Are you Mandalorian or are you Gungalorian? Like, <laughs> she was so ineffective in this battle; it's shocking. She was also really. I mean, this is a pretty pitch battle against a Jedi plus all these mercenaries. The gunboat she's people a show up. Mandalorian, like she's supposed to be an amazing Mandalorian. What the hell? And Ezra, like, I do, I did like his little moment where he's like, you know, she tries to give him his lightsaber back, and he's like, "No, chef, your knife." But also, I I can't help but think if he had a lightsaber, this would have been a much easier fight. A hundred percent. Hundred percent. It felt like a little stubborn, stubborn Jedi pride. Yeah. Um, I don't know if man, this is an Ezra thing. If, if like he doesn't use a lightsaber or, or, or like he made a solemn vow to never use a lightsaber again or something. But yeah, he would have been 90 times more effective with it than she was. Yeah. And I get it. It's like, you're taking the gift back. It's probably mean it has meaning. It's this, you know, but also these lives of these Nodi have meaning too, dude. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grab the lightsaber, sexy Jesus, and go to work. Oh my God! When he, 
Speaking of Gungalorians, when he shouts out "Whoopa Whoopa" during the middle of this battle to circle the wagons, <laughs> I just lost it, man. You know, sometimes you got to say stuff like "Bantapudu," and it's ridiculous, but uh, that's if the way you're languages an alien, work. Sure, a human being saying "Whoopa Whoopa" is tough to swallow. I've seen people on the TV say words like "Punxsutawney." <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean, come on. <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, but yeah, I do like the how the ships kind of turtle up. You know, they're they're it's circling so the wagons cool. here. It's it feels it's... very on on brand for them. Not yeah, it just feels like this is the exact type of conveyance these people would construct. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, so Ahsoka jumps out of her ship and encounters Balin, who won't let her get to Sabine. So she has a habit of jumping out of ships. Is that a thing? I'm I mean, getting that. And her they're, they're, have done this before. There must have been some 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 real classic Charlie Chaplin style Pratt Follery involving uh, some of these insertions. I gotta this, say, this is the most Saturday morning cartoon bullshit to me in the episode when they convert the stairs to a ramp. Oh really? That was so yeah, why, silly. So dumb. yeah. Why? Why would? Why they does do she need that? to slide out of this ship? Why can't she just leap out of it? I mean, it's clearly the force that she's channeling. And I gotta say, also, the CGI was not up for this task. This looked like no. shit. Huh? This looked like notice. hell. It was bad modeling. The 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 mm. ground texture was just like this uniform brown mud kind of blur that just just trying to hide too many sins. It just. It, it was jarring for how good the stuff usually looks on this show. They just mm-hmm. just ran out mm-hmm. of budget. Apparently, maybe they thought, ah, it's just one second shot; nobody will notice. Um, we kind of already talked about Ezra refusing his saber. Uh, it results in Sabine going one on one with Shin, though, after he gets knocked out, which I feel like is just their go-to. If you have two Jedi's fighting against one Jedi or one Sith, whatever, fallen Jedi. You gotta disable one of them temporarily. Yeah. Well, or the Sith is probably gonna lose. <laughs> you know. I mean, Darth two Maul on one held fight his forever. Own pretty well. Yeah, but eventually, eventually, eventually is he twice he as good as Jedi. Him. Yeah. Yeah, but this is like a this is like a ten percent Jedi and a Jedi who refuses to use a lightsaber against a, a Jedi, a fallen Jedi that like she doesn't seem totally trained either right yeah i'm starting to disrespect darth grimes what has she done what has she done besides cut down a couple hapless new republic non-force wielding mooks Mm -hmm. that's genuinely impressive no she feels like a wannabe yeah like like darth swanson's got the goods man like he is just Uh handling ahsoka and like he just says like there's nothing you cannot defeat me and I believe him like I mm-hmm. and he's not even trying to kill her like he's li- like I love that line where she's like I don't have time for this he's like that I do know which yeah. makes me uh-huh. feel like he's playing in at a deeper level to Thrawn's plan right like which like, is weird I, I, with all the other context I wonder if Thrawn because it's Thrawn's almost like there's something almost playful or knowing about him being like, oh, it's a damn shame Darth Swanson's fucking up, isn't it, Lady Morgan? You know, there's like something that makes me wonder if that he and Darth Swanson have cut a secret deal to cut off the Dathomiri and abandon them here. Hmm. Interesting. 
that like completely stabbed because like I don't think that Thrawn loves any of this force hackery shit. It's like a variable that he can't control, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if he's got like another pragmatic evil guy versus the force witches, maybe he's gonna or maybe he's gonna try to like abandon them all. But I'm I'm yeah, looking for Thrawn be. to backstab these these Night Sisters. Sure. Yeah, we'll see. You're right. Something's not quite adding up there. Could just be sloppy storytelling, but could be because there's also like with Darth Swanson, you know, in the real life tragedy that happened to to Ray. Yeah, I do wonder, like, at what point did they decide that Darth Swanson was no longer going to be part of Souls? Like, was he always intended to be a one season and done? Or are there like some reshoots and are they because all this shit was done in front of a green screen or on the volume. So, like, did they find a couple of like like that? How much of this was like when we get to the end of the season how much of this is filmed as intended and how much of it is like well we got a we got a picture we got some footage of of ray looking thoughtful in front of a green screen and like we're gonna try to like stitch his exit out at some way because it's that's the thing that it's coming to be a tragedy and i was a little afraid that he might die in this episode because clearly he's not going to be a concern going forward at least in this form so God, how are they going to handle that? And did they write it the way that they were supposed to be handled? Or and if you know, I imagine the way the internet works, there's like probably answers to this question. But I I don't want to know because I I don't want to I want to judge whatever they do with him just on the basis of whether it works as a story. And if I know that like oh well actually they tried to do this, but then mm-hmm. it's gonna it's gonna color my conception of it. So I just want to see if it succeeds. And then because man, I can't imagine them writing him out of the show willingly but then being for that that's just got to be a terrible position because he's just such a great character god damn yeah it really doesn't feel like they're creating a scenario where they always intended him to be a one and done season kind of guy yeah it feels like they're doing something much bigger with him which we know they can't now or if they did it would have to all be in the background right and then you could do like Mm. a scene with him like they did with mark hamill uh in the mandalorian um, where you know maybe they're buying time to negotiate with his estate to try and CG his face onto somebody like for a scene or two, but but it feels like they were doing something big with him, and now it's just gonna be submarined, you know? Yeah, it's like I said, it's just it's just a huge tragedy because like imagine yeah, he's great, and then like this is like I know he's done other things that have been he's been popular in like but like this is like on another level Mm -hmm. of you know and he's just crushing it I it it just really sucks it's it's just terrible for everybody yeah I'm curious to see how they navigate it next season Um, and where they leave it this season like you were saying are they going to go back in and try and I guess minimize his impact on the end of the season because I know he won't mm. be coming back. Or, and I just I just love I just, yeah I just love everything about his character. I love how him and Ahsoka fight. I'm just a sucker uh, for these like Jedi master fights where it's all about foot position and form and stillness and judging and then just like just like sudden fury of of lightsaber strokes and mm-hmm. I, he's just really good at it. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Hu Yang comes swooping in in the ship and shoots some distracting shots, which allows Ahsoka to get past Balon, um, which is all she really wanted. And then 
The gunships land near Sabine and Thrawn notices that Balin isn't with Shin. And the troopers surround Sabine and Ezra, but Ahsoka arrives just in time to help them fight. Uh, here's a gigantic pet peeve for me. I hate when shows do this shit. I've talked about it before. I will never stop pointing this out. Again, with a direct kill order being countermanded by the victim of the kill order with a weight. This your, is your superior just gave you a fucking order to kill these people. It doesn't matter what the next words out of their mouth are. Kill them. This is a 10 out of 10 Saturday morning cartoon scenario because I hate this shit so much. You can get away with this, but only when there's a huge disparity between the intelligence of the hero and the villains or the loyalty of the villains are missed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is Thrawn's crack troops mm -hmm. sent out with specific orders to kill these people that they have finally beat down and quartered. Their commander on the field tells them to kill them. Mm -hmm. And this guy starts off with a wait, wait, wait comedy routine. Yeah. This, and nobody shoots. It, I hate It makes this everyone so look stupid, and including yes. me, the viewer. Oh mm -hmm. my god! Oh my god! It's terrible. You can do this shit with like Chris Pine in a D and D movie when <laughs> sure. he's being held by literal like stupid lizard dudes that only have three brain cells. But like mm -hmm. Thrawn's crack elite guard, no fucking shot. No fucking shot. This is no, this man. is Saturday morning cartoon Scooby Doo bullshit. Yep, yep. I, I can't stand it. But. uh I don't know. Ahsoka fights cool, so that's good, right? Yeah, it is cool. There's um this is the second time they've done it this season, but this edge guarding where um we've seen like a uh a, a Jedi use the force to like you know, grab the tip of their 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 lightsaber to like block a very powerful blow. Here, mm -hmm. like he uses his force monk powers to essentially block the blade with his bare hand. Does a neo? I thought this stuff is really really cool. Um, mm -hmm. it's really got all the sword guys that uh, I follow on the internet excited because that's like you know they love it when Hollywood does shit that's like realistic. And I, I guess that's like like knights when they had like full armored gloves with a lot of times grabbed their sword and kind of use it as a bow staff in close combat. Because why the fuck not, right? Yeah. Um, I thought it was cool. I, I it's it's going to be something where it's like I hope they this becomes a recurring thing because you can't just like block a lightsaber with your bare hand and then right. never do it again, right? Um, yeah, it's it's the hold on maneuver in microcosm, right? Like if you could do this always, yeah. why weren't people doing it all the time? Because it seems effective. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's that one problem with it, but like I don't know, maybe they can in incorporate it going forward. There's so many mm -hmm. ways to block a lightsaber blast as you or a slice as you as you uh, have pointed out many times before. This is just <laughs> right. just, just another, another. one. Mm -hmm. And then Thrawn calls off the attack because cargo transfer is almost complete, and he's confident that time is on their side. Thrawn's troops abandon Shin, and Ahsoka offers to help her, but she runs off. And then Ahsoka is reunited with Ezra, and Hu Yang picks them all up. I was cool that Thrawn's like admiring, like he's kind of like that. See, that's right. I feel like they're showing um, an affinity between him and and uh, Swanson because, you know, just like we, um, you know, Darth Ron was talking about, like, oh, it's a shame to kill a Jedi. They're so rare, and it's so neat to watch him fight. Like Thrawn's saying the exact same thing. Um, but also, yeah, that. Uh, and the other thing is, like, I guess. I don't think he's very impressed with his ally here, the Lady Morgan or Morgana, Morgane. Um, like he's always having to explain why he's three steps ahead of everything, which makes him her feel mm -hmm. two steps behind. And 
what does Thrawn need with a lackey who is three steps behind, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it feels like she's just that, right? She was useful for a certain part of this, which is getting him out of this galaxy and back to the right. OG one. And after that, I don't know what her usefulness is. We we talked about that last episode. Like, what the hell does she have to do now? I'm starting to think they're going to get shafted. They're going to get betrayed by Thrawn. Um, yeah. But it's, I, like I said, it's. I think it's... Uh, the way they use Thrawn, um, this, this is a classic. Like all the Jedi and all the heroes did their Jedi hero shit, and they quote unquote save the day, and they and but they don't, they don't. Like Thrawn's going to return to the galaxy with a cargo full of whatever for the New Republic. Mm-hmm. And I think Ahsoka's going to return with cargo full of Nodi. Feels <laughs> it feels like they might be taking a few back with them. I don't know. Boy, that's the definition of uh, you know spitting in one hand and shitting in the other. I don't. <laughs> that's not. I don't know the what two handfuls of that is going to do against. Hey man, I'm betting on the whatever horrifying shit he got out of the Sith dungeon versus the the Nodi's <laughs> couple of rock caravan yeah. of courage. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right, but I, I saw one caravan of courage and it was enough for my lifetime, okay? Yeah, no kidding. And they made two of them, so <laughs> Ewok Adventure. Uh, that's it for the episode, man. Yeah, so the one thing he says at the end, Sexy Jesus says he's got a feeling they might be going home after all. Mm-hmm. But how? The how nerdy. are they going to go home? The, the Nodi are going to transport them in their rock ships. The Nodi's rock ships are hyperspace capable, extra galactic hyperspace. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, that. <laughs> no, I have no oh, idea. Oh, then we can get the eleven of ten Saturday morning cartoon where Ezra's like, "Guys, you could do this the whole time and you never told me," and they're like, uh-huh. which will translate as <laughs> like, "You never asked." Ha ha ha! And then we can all kill ourselves. Um. <laughs> Yeah, That's it for the episode I, then, huh? I mean, the Nodi have, like, they must have a plan because Ezra's, like, talking to the Nodi and he says, I guess we're going home after all. And that's kind of it, right? So they have a plan to get him either on the Eye of Scion or into another sp- Star Whale or something. I hope the plan's better than jumping into the T6 Jedi scout craft and saying, wait, wait, don't you guys want to take us hostage? <laughs> Uh, don't you have some brigs in there you could shove us in and bring us back it's like i I don't i don't i don't see it the space whales like if the space whales come back i mean they're all still blowing up in the proximity mines right or they jumped made the jump to hyperspace and got the fuck out of there like Mm -hmm. i i I mean i i'm I'm sure there'll be a way obviously i just hope it's done well maybe they they have a really solid relationship with the star whales so they can ask one you know, whereas Ahsoka was just like, I have no fucking idea what I said to them, but they're down. Oh, yeah, Ezra does have a more of an affinity. But, and, um, and Ezra himself, yeah, maybe. Um, I'm curious because it feels like, man, there's just so much still up in the air with, what, one episode to go? Yeah, yeah, next episode is the end. Like, I, I wonder if it'll feel like, and they do have the grace of, like, clearly I expect them to hand this off to the Mandalorian or to some other Star Wars show a couple of times and then do some movies or whatever. So they don't have to, but to my mind, they have to figure out what to do with Darth Swanson is the big one. Yeah. And, and getting, or or maybe they'll leave them stranded and that's going to be like uh, paint themselves in a corner and figure it out some other show, some other season, which that'd also be kind of exciting to see them try to get that, uh, that done. But Mm -hmm. 
yeah, I don't know how I don't know how they're going to be going home, and I don't know how they're going to resolve the uh, Darth Swanson situation. Ezra's been hooking up with one of the witches the entire time. Oh yeah, and they owe him a favor. The, yeah, the witch can get him home. Does he have a kid too? We're gonna have everyone's gonna have their kids yeah. coming on all yeah. their adventures. Jason and his horrifying half witch sister. Uh-huh. Jaina, yeah, uh huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Just just happens. Just happens to have the same yeah. name. You know. <sighs> anyway, uh, shall we get the feedback? Yeah, let's do it. Star Wars at baldmove.com is how you get in touch with us. Evans up first says, last week another bald mover wrote in regarding episode five's depiction of the impacts of being a child soldier. I think the interrogation of that theme has been one of the most interesting throughout the season. I've actually met a former child soldier. Briefly, the Air Force sent me to a master's program, which included foreign military officers. One of my classes, a Ugandan officer, mentioned casually that he fought in the Ugandan Civil War, which floored me because it occurred in the late 80s, and based on his age, he had to have been a tween. Interestingly, he did not consider himself a former child soldier because in his culture, becoming an adult is not about turning a certain age, but about certain life experiences being met. In his case, defending his home and people, which he was concerned, as far as he was concerned, was going to be wiped out or irrevocably altered. I mentioned the story because I think the show's outlook on child soldiers is like uh, their use is bad under all circumstances, full stop. But I also think they're undercutting themselves with Sabine and Jaken. Or Jason? It's Jason. Uh, I was pronounced a Jaken when I was reading it growing up, but I guess it's Jason. Sabine appears yeah. to be in her late teens, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's already seen a ton of combat, but does not seem to have any qualms about it. And Jason seems to be having a great time in a very dangerous situation. I get why Anakin would take a young Ahsoka into combat, because he's known nothing different. But I have no idea why a mother would take her own child into combat. Do you think Jason and Sabine undermined episode five? And would love to know your thoughts. <sighs> It remains to be seen. I do think we're at risk of like the Walking Dead. Okay. So, like the, the Walking Dead situation, Walking Dead was conceived by Academy, thrice nominated Academy Award director Frank Darabont to be a very sensitive, adult, mature take on a zombie apocalypse. And that kind of show can talk about a lot of different issues and like have real world commentary about child soldiery and, uh, you know, what, right, all kinds of things. But the show it became was very much Saturday morning cartoon bullshit. But every once in a while, they're like, you know what? We used to be a prestige television show. We're going to take on topic de jour. And they always be shot, be shitted their bed when they went for that because they just. They just, you know, we always talked about they're reaching for the tools way too up on the shelf for them to be able to. So I feel like they do need to decide on where they're going to do their kind of like commentating on real world issues and having realism because that shit works really good in Andor. It's kind of touch and go on shows like this and it just doesn't work at all. And if you go even further into the Saturday morning uh, school routine so Saturday morning cartoons routine so that's that's how I feel about it that I think there's hints of Sabine being traumatized um, you know his mom's a general maybe she doesn't doesn't expect anything different but but yeah growing up this it's gotta fuck up a kid if you want to teach it to treat it seriously like episode five pretended like it was going to what do you think Jim yeah all the any any hint of trauma I'm seeing coming from Sabine is all around Ezra. It doesn't really have to do with the fact that she fought um, in these 
the rebellion. It's like she lost her best friend. If he was still here, yeah, he'd, she'd be so she'd be happy. totally fine, right? Um, and I don't know if that's just like the most pressing issue for her right now, and so that's what they're leaning into. Maybe we'll get to the trauma stuff now that they're reunited, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm torn on this stuff because I do like realism in my adult shows. Like yeah. an Andor is, you know, amazing. I love that show. And it does treat everything with a nuance. But I also like aspirational stuff. Um, and it kind of comes back to the stuff we talked about earlier with, you know, the senators being allowed, the the former loyalist of the Empire being allowed to be senators in the New Republic. It's like, yeah, okay, that might be realistic, but is that aspirational? Is that what we want? Is we Do we want former loyalists inside of our new institutions that we're setting up, you know, mucking up the, gumming up the works because they still have sympathies for the old order that was terrible. Like I, I, I kind of want everybody to believe that child soldiery is bad in every circumstance. And, and yeah, maybe, maybe technically in real life it's not. Um, and you can make a case for that, but is that what I want people to think? Do I want to normalize the idea of child soldiery by saying that there are edge cases where it's totally cool? Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm torn on it. I'm torn on it. Because I, I think there's room and there's value in realistic depictions, but there's also a lot of value in just pure aspirational stuff. Like, we should always abhor these things, right? Yeah, and if you're like a seven or eight-year-old watching Star Wars, though, the idea of like a self-insert, like a little boy or girl just like you are fighting with the heroes is incredibly appealing. Because sure. at seven or eight, you're yeah. not thinking about, you know, the trauma of war. Right. Um, and that's where I was like, I, we were talking about a couple weeks ago and feedback how Star Wars really needs to find different tracks where it's like, you know, this is the kiddie pool. This is the general audiences. This is yeah. the top shelf. Stop trying because, to make so much. Because mm -hmm. like one thing they could do if they did that is they could tell the story of like the seven year old and, you know, and he's swashbuckling. And, you know, I guess this is kind of like the Ahsoka. She's this little girl swashbuckling with the big Jedi heroes and all that kind of stuff. And then you can put that story away for 10 years. You can return to them growing up. And now you're in the adult track. You can deal with like, you know, now these ch children are grown up and they can. I, I feel like the you can pay, do yeah. things like that. You just have to be a lot more thoughtful than just if I hit this button, it releases something that makes us money like. And Star Wars and, is and maybe getting there. Everybody, right? We want to. We want to hit. We want to make money from everyone all at the same time. Yeah, that's, and you, that's a good way to get no one. That's the idea with these, right? They want the adults watching with their kids and them to be entertained and the kids to be entertained. That's just tough. All right, let's move on to Adam. Says my experience with Star Wars mostly mirrors you. The only good thing to come out of the franchise lately has been the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy. So when I heard my favorite non-Jedi was making an appearance in Ahsoka, I begrudgingly binged the last couple seasons of Mando to make sure I could follow. It seems that was mostly unnecessary, and I was increasingly concerned that Thrawn was going to be just a late last episode cameo. Star Wars is going to disappoint me once again. But I was very excited to see the Chiss last episode. I think I smiled nonstop from the moment the Chimera appeared, which that's his, the name of his flagship in the extended universe. Maybe the maybe Rebels, I don't know. It may be just my excitement bleeding through, but I thought Mickelson was fantastic. I presume that Disney Plus has a wider audience than just a novel, so I'm optimistic that Thrawn's fan base will grow enough to prompt his own series or movie. A true-to-the-source Thrawn production will make a recent disappointment and slog through subpar TV worthwhile. Uh, he mentioned parenthetically that like our talk of Andor has almost got him to try Andor, but I want to reiterate that if there are any uh, Star Wars lawn folks that haven't given Andor a try, you really have to. Like it's mm -hmm. just terrific. 
the worst I can say about it is like it's a slow burn, but I'm not even sure it is because you said it wasn't. And the the first solid two episodes, I was background watching, like cell phone watching, and which is disrespectful to the show, but <laughs> it's where I was at with Star Wars. Like all totally. these sweaty Star Wars nerds were once again in my inbox about another shitty Star Wars series saying, no, I swear this time it's good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fine, but I swear to God, I'm scorching the Star Wars Earth. If this, if I, if if I, and yeah, even despite that, by the third episode, I was completely enraptured. I want to rewatch it to to see if my first impressions about the first episode or two are right. But but fucking watch Andor. I'm I guarantee you like it. Um, I want to pair Adam's thoughts about how much he loves Thrawn with uh, Brandon DeBard's thoughts, who says. Hey, y'all, Brandon here. Mostly in the same place as you guys as far as modern Star Wars, except I'm a prequel kid. I think the prequels are best described as great world building with horrible execution, but I do love them. With Thrawn, I think we're running into the same problem with him and Ahsoka that they ran into with Rebels. Thrawn is supposed to be a master tactician, brilliant in all forms of battle and manipulation, but he's also the bad guy. And these are basically kid cartoons, so no matter how outnumbered or outmatched the good guys are, Thrawn will just call off his troops or let the good guys win because he's playing the long game or whatever. It's Austin Powers-level parody at times when he has them in his clutches and basically lets them go after telling him them his plans. My, this is my fear because Thrawn is so cool and so well-played. I love a villain story with him told right. I just don't know what to do with the team, if this is the team to do it. Uh... May the force be with you. Also, P.S. I'd, I'd buy a Captain Tiva shirt. We're we're gonna try to get that merch out before the end of the season. It's it's a, it's <laughs> neck and neck. I wish I wish I knew this yard Tiva thing was gonna happen at the beginning, because uh, we'd be, we'd be ready for it. But and, and like so, my question is: Can Adam be happy long term? Because unless Thrawn just wins. Every miniseries he gets is going to be another opportunity for the good guys to beat him and make mm-hmm. him look that. That was the brilliance of the Thr- the original Thrawn trilogy is that Thrawn is ultimately defeated and is no more because you can only do that shtick for so long until it's like like Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, he's going to be defeated eventually because he can't win. Right. Uh, so can Adam oh, and Brandon both be right? I- I mean, that's the thing. He can win in this timeline, right? I mean, we know that the new order is going to rise. It's and the new republic is going to fall. But he's he, not a part of it, is he? It, no, but he could be defeated in a way where he's set in motion some of those things. Um, so the like he sacrifices himself, but it gives the empire a key win, which allows yes. Hus and the new order to. Yeah, and I know that's one of the big things that they want to do is they want to try to use this interim Mandalorian period to try to do the things they didn't do for the new sequel, which is like, how the fuck did the New yeah. Republic fall <laughs> flat on its face in 20 years? Although, and they're they're doing it. They're they're setting yeah. that up, I feel. Um that or I mean the other way you can go is for Thrawn to exact a a high price from some of the characters that we love on his way out, right? Like if right. Ezra were to die, like this, this would be the ultimate thing. In my mind, this is where I would be headed with the story. If Ooh. Sabine, you know, reveals how she found Ezra and stuff and he ends up hating her for it and he dies while hating her. And so yeah. she's forever paying that price now. Um, that would, that would be huge, right? If, 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 if Thrawn can take him out, 
while they're in that state. And then, you know, whatever happens after that, he still exacted that high price for her. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And I was also thinking that, like, Thrawn is in a position where he's fighting a rebel guerrilla fight. And, like, he doesn't have to Mm -hmm. have key giant victories. He just has to, like, take chunks out of the New Republic here and there, here and there. Yeah. Like, like, you know, every every defeat makes you weaker. Every win makes me slightly stronger. And just like so you could do a lot of like and it's not none of their death blows. They're just slightly making the Republic mm-hmm. weaker, making it more fearful, making it, you know, more imperial. I, I, there's yeah, more fractured. Yeah. But like Brandon says, is this the team that's going to do it? Because like I was pre- I I'm prepared to be amazed by Favreau and Filoni's team up. But so far. It hasn't been entirely to my liking, obviously, with the whole get off the yard speeches I've done. So but I, I, I don't <laughs> know. I, I I do. I do worry. But I, I, like I said, I think we've outlined there's ways you can do it. And this is just us spitballing for five minutes on a podcast. So yeah. people are. But that involves you giving a shit and looking out a couple of years ahead on the whiteboard to plan things out. Mm-hmm. And. I, I, it remains to be seen that the Star Wars side of the mouse house can do that. Uh, Mike's up next. He says, my kids are both in high school and are aging out of the main Star Wars demographic. And for the first time, I feel myself really wanting the franchise to grow up a bit. Welcome to the yard, Mike. It's about time to start fertilizing. You know, it's getting to be September here in, in this hemisphere. That, that, that's uh, a, that statement blows my mind. As a 40-year-old who uh-huh. still has love for Star Wars, like aging out of the Star Wars demographic... Man, you wouldn't say that about the original trilogy, right? There were people who for 30, 40 years kept the love but alive. There's still people. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, shit. Yeah. I'm not acting like I don't have Star Wars merch on the back of this 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 here studio. So That's what I mean. Uh, but Disney seems to have taken it down the route of the Star Wars demographic is the 18 to 24-year-old. Right. They're, they're, it's you, always you know, going to be. 10 yeah. to 24-year-old. You either have to watch it at that level or you're never going to get a Logan. or. But right. we already kind of did with Ant. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike says, I always thought the main obstacle preventing this was the old George Lucas talking point of Star Wars films being made explicitly for kids. As we've seen for the Book of mm-hmm. Boba, when they really lean hard into this, the result is not good. And as great as Andor is to us old heads, I don't know if it speaks to the children, which is fine. Star Wars is a huge tent that contains something for everyone. Is there a third path, though, the franchise can go down? So far, I'm getting the feeling that Filoni and crew are using this show as a way of placating both ends of the fandom spectrum by making us meet somewhere in the middle. I don't know if it's sustainable, but it beats the hell out of the fluorescent colored space Vespas going on slow speed chases. <laughs> Gentlemen, do you think this is a valid path forward for the franchise? Uh, I like the three tracks. I think there should like yeah. if I if I was in Kathleen Kennedy's jo- job right now, I'd be like, here's the deal, fuckers. We got Star Wars ba- babies. We got Star Wars general audiences and we got Star Wars adults. And here's the thing. You can have crossovers in the middle lane Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. can't get the fucking gungans in the adult path and you can't bring the you know the i'm fighting for a sunrise i'll never see to the baby path you can you can do crossover stuff in the middle you know you can you can you Mm -hmm. can play with something but you can't and, and that's what you do to me it seems so fucking obvious to just 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 go for all like you know, like there's got to be somebody buying these three thousand dollar Lego kits, right? That's where right, you right. pitch the adult stuff. There's got to be somebody buying the fucking Gungan plushies. That's where it's just a market segmentation thing. But mm-hmm. for whatever reason, they just 
can't fucking get it done. Or the other thing is you could do like Marvel where you just only play at the general audiences and you never do things that are aimed at children and you never do things that are aimed purely at adults. And for mm-hmm. whatever reason, Star Wars doesn't seems loath to do that. They really like getting the kids in diapers. Or maybe it's us parents doing it. Sometimes I, mean, I think like I didn't indoctrinate my child religiously, but in Star Wars, I kind of did. And now he's leaving the coop and he's abandoning the religion. And I don't know what to do about it. Uh, <laughs> and I blame and I blame I blame religion and God. In this case, George Lucas, Mickey Mouse and, and Filoni and Favreau. So I, I that, that's how I feel about it. It's you just got to get the three tracks. Yeah, I, I mean, that, that covers the the philosophy of getting kids while they're young, right? Like if you make a fan for life that way. Um, yeah. Because 20 years from now, even if they fall off of it somewhere in between, they'll come back to it as a nostalgia thing. And yeah, you'll be there for them. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the tracks is a good way to go. Todd says that giant hyperspace ring is going to attach to the Star Destroyer and make it look like a huge Jedi oh, Starfighter. Shit. That's yeah. exactly what they're going with that. It's going mm-hmm. to dock into that thing, probably right where the notch and the Star yep. Destroyer is. No, I'm picturing it. It would look exactly like the Jedi chips yeah <laughs> i you're you're probably going to win some internet points for that one todd yep um he says looking at this all holistically something has occurred to me assuming that the jump between galaxies is the same starting and ending points i.e when thrawn jumps back it will be the same place and planet that we started from if even there were a slightest chance that could happen why wouldn't the new republic just park a couple of those shiny new mon calamari cruisers in the area for a couple weeks those ships armed with full squadrons of y-wings and b-wings and make quick work of thrawn's ship the second he jumps in but the sequel trilogy taught us that the New Republic are idiots when it comes to the placement of military assets. If these characters were still written true to their personalities, Lay would have come up with a reason to suddenly conduct exercises in that region of space. I mean, Hera name-dropped Leia, and I think she would have enough pull to nearly make anything happen. I agree. I think that they are really backing on our idea that the new republic is wholly dysfunctional and there are parts of the new republic that actually want the empire to come back so mm-hmm. they are deliberately hobbling the central government in an attempt to make it weak for their own probably selfish ambitions and desires yeah yeah so that makes sense um and yeah, i think they've done be, that job for me to keep somebody out there though right like at least a lookout if not, if not a force that can deal with something that comes back through, at least a lookout to alert you. Yeah, because at some point, the good guys have to figure out how to fight politically, too. Like, they can't mm-hmm. just always have the shadowy senator run them around procedurally. Like, the good guys sometimes can be smart that way, too. Yeah, they're going to make Mon Mothma look foolish if they continue too far down that road. Yeah, and they need to, like, they need to do, like, to me, uh, if I was writing this stuff, and maybe this is too on the adult track, but I would love some of these Coruscant scenes to seem like early going House of Cards. Mm-hmm. Like, how mm-hmm. cool would that be? Where, like, we understood the galactic politi- politics and how the Republic Senate works enough that you could, like, get kind of into, like, procedural and who has the, the who has the leverage and who's in the chain of command and who needs their back scratch because... They're blockading dandruff shampoo to Kashiak and all the Wookiees are upset. And I, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe Some that b- political maneuvering like that. And people are like, well, George Lucas tried to do the tri- the prequel trilogy about that. And no one, I'm like, fuck <laughs> you. They Lucas know we did a lot of things. <laughs> None of which worked. George Lucas tried to make Natalie Portman look like she never knew how to act, you know? <laughs> 
Uh, George George Lucas tried to make uh, Ewan McGregor Jar Jar not cool. look cool, and he couldn't <laughs> yeah, do it. Yeah. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. <laughs> Ewan is too cool, but mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I thought your discussion about Disney dropping the making of crappy Star Wars movies was on point, but there's one that got shelved that surprised me, and that one was Rogue Squadron. Why? Who doesn't want to see a large military campaign in space attacking Imperial shipyards? Heck yeah, I'd pay to see it. Sure. Yeah, but did you, do you want do you want the current management team or at the time did you want them to mm -hmm. do that story? Because to me, that's why they shut everything down. It's just like we don't know what we're doing. That's a great idea. Why would we hand it to somebody that doesn't know what to do with it or respect it or we don't give them the guidance or it's like you got to get the central plan. You can still do a Star Wars Squadron or Rogue Squadron. Just wait until we have people who are qualified and give a shit to get it done. Yeah. Do not neglect your training. We'll be right back. Let's see what knowledge is lurking inside this podcast. Here's more Tribe of Two. Uh, August says, after hearing so many of your listeners recommend the cartoons, I finally decided to take the plunge and look at the thumbnail descriptions of every Star Clone Wars episode in Disney+. Plus. As you recall, part five of Ahsoka, where she duels Anakin, is called Shadow Warrior. I discovered that in season four, episode four of Clone Wars is also called Shadow Warrior. The description reads, Jar Jar Binks must pose as his people's leader. What do you make of this? What is Filoni trying to tell us? My God, there's a deep, dark gun gun conspiracy. Uh huh. Th this has got it. Have you have you read the Darth Binks theory that Dar the 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 Jar Jar Binks is actually Palpatine's either yeah. shadow master, shadow master, or shadow puppet, and he was manipulating things behind the scenes the entire time. It's pretty entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I've seen the photoshops of Jar Jar in the robes. Was it Jar Jar that let out the green gas? <laughs> He did a lot of that. <laughs> when he's stepping on food. Prequels, as I remember, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, where, hmm. Yeah, so where does this take us? I feel like, is there a world between worlds where Jar Jar is just hanging out with Anakin? Congratulating themselves on being evil, manipulating Ahsoka from beyond the grave. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Is Jar Jar is going to, one of these Sith witches going to pull off her face and she's a Gungan? Yeah, heavily scarred Gungan. They're wearing a lot of makeup. It could be true. M Misa used the dark side. <laughs> Misa, figure out where Soka is. Yeah, I could. Mm -hmm. uh, I could mm -hmm. see that. Uh, last email is from Diogo. Says, as an old and bitter Star Wars fan, I hate to say, or I have to say, that not only do I want all these damn kids off my lawn, but all you should also join them and get out of my lawn. I had high hopes for Ahsoka, but let's be honest, it's terrible. Is it better than Book of Boba? Sure. But that's like saying a punch bowl with two ounces of turd is better than a punch bowl with a full pound of turd. Either way, I'm not drinking it. Just to keep this from being me flaming you guys, let's draw a comparison to the prequels. One of the things that bothered me and many others in the prequels is how fast Anakin goes from I just want to save my girl, man, to yay, child murder. But as poorly handled as that was, at least there was a background. Anakin being manipulated by the most powerful Sith of all time and the consequence, people going after Anakin. We're now seven episodes into the show and Sabine has faced zero consequences or self-doubt for something with less reason. There's no mastermind Sith pushing her. 
Thrawn is a genocidal maniac intending on restoring a genocidal regime is well known. Hell, after this latest episode, we've even seen the connections between Thrawn and what will come in the sequels, where billions of people die because of a system destroyer. And you can't even use the defense of how could people know what was to come? People have already died because of this. There's already a body count. And yet Sabine has faced fewer repercussions than a teenager caught drinking. Oh, hey, Sabine, you managed to allow the Empire to get a map twice. A handful of people are dead because of that and maybe billions more to come. But I'm so happy to see you again. Hugs. <sighs> Diego has a point, but I guess I... And my estimation of this series in retrospect will plummet if Sabine literally gets off without any... And I'm expecting like a yeah. full turn to the dark side. Like black veins, yellow eyes, like... I, I I really think that's where her character is going, which is going to be interesting for Ahsoka's character because, like, what does that mean for her? She's the one yeah, link she's in the chain of evil masters and apprentices. What is that? Uh-huh. Like, I think that that's got to be where they're going. If not, I will I will leave this beshitted yard and I will join you on your pristine one, sir. Because <laughs> I just yeah, they can't. It makes sense for them to go like. I, yeah, I just I, it does bother me a little bit how buddy buddy they are. Like nobody is like they're allowing Sabine to just like handle reality at her own pace. Well, I, I, here's the thing: I don't think we've had the real opportunity yet for the comeuppance that she's going to get for for her choices. Right? Like the choice she made. Look, I, I was complaining about this when she took the fucking map in in episode two or whatever it was right yeah. just unilaterally said nah I'm taking this and then lost it to the Sith like yeah I, I, I'm that guy I definitely agree with you here but like the decision the real decision she made that was egregious is the one to give the map to Balin and go with them all in the hopes of finding Ezra and basically betraying the whole galaxy so like I don't think she's had time or an opportunity yet to really feel the consequences of that now what I guess what I don't like is Ahsoka showing up and being all smiley and buddy buddy mm-hmm. when she should have been pretty pissed off at what she did. Uh, but I'm hoping next episode we will heavily deal with this. The The truth will come out. Ezra, Ahsoka, everybody's going to take her to task for it. And I'm not even saying we'll they have to, they have to do this this season. I'm just saying that like the next time we catch up with this, there gotta be blowback. And you know, it'd also be interesting if, I mean, she can't just keep saying, I don't want to talk about it, though. Like, next episode yeah. is the one where it's, like, they're going to be traveling back. Hopefully, they, uh-huh. they need to deal with this shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Sabine, I saw this video on the internet of this young woman who's, like, completely drunk in a police station. And she's asking, she's, like, every every couple of minutes, she's asking the cop or whoever's babysitting her. It's like, I got, you know, when am I going to get my car back? I got classes tomorrow. I've got... And he says, like, look, you were just involved in an accident that killed four people. Your blood alcohol level is, like, I don't know, some insanely high number. You're never getting your car back. You're not going, like, I don't know what's going to happen, but, like, your life had completely changed. And she just wasn't getting it. Yeah. And I feel like that's Sabine. Like, she's like, I want my, you know, it's like, you just introduced a warlord that's responsible for billions or trillions of deaths back into the galaxy. You're Mm -hmm. never getting your happy ending. Yeah. No fucking shot. And she just, 
And maybe Ahsoka is like being a little bit lenient because she's through her own arc of like, well, I'm trying to be the best master I can be. And is it coming down on a ton, ton of bread? But like mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. some point, a price has to be paid or this is just this kind of Saturday morning stuff that I don't want to be involved in. You know, right. You know, with like you. I'll I'll just not us wait until people tell me which track if Star Wars don't want to tell me I've got a huge fan base that will tell me uh, and I can kind of gauge by the pressure and volume of that pipe when they can be taken seriously and if enough people are saying that like oh this has got the adult track I'll watch it but yeah I, I'm 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 with you like I said I I will be abandoning this I will set this yard on fire and move the year yard. If Sabine, uh, this this time next year or next season or whatever the equivalent is with this Disney Plus shit, mm-hmm. is just a well respected Jedi in training that is cool in everybody's school and is not ex- experiencing any consequences from these insane actions that she's taken. So I have a bad feeling about that. To really to, to felonize a quote from Star Wars, I have a bad feeling about that. You really think because they, 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 I, I feel like all the signs are there that they are setting it up. They're there, but I just I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Do you think they'll do the equivalent of like, wait, wait, wait? Don't you want to take us prisoner to the? Uh-huh. I really do. Wait, wait, wait! Before you judge me, let's just go on another mission together, and then they'll rebuild trust on that mission. Yeah, it's. But I drew this awesome picture of us all. Ooh, ooh, you know, (laughs) that's like, oh, you know, great photo. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, trillions Uh. are dead. Ooh, ooh. So (laughs) anyway, that's that's the that's the Star Wars yard. That's the state of the yard. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just always a loose and fluid thing here uh, at the Yard Guardian Central. Star Wars at BaldMove.com is is how you tell us your opinion on uh, this show and its coverage. Star Wars at BaldMove.com. If you'd like to see what else we're doing, um, we're doing a lot of things. We're starting up uh, Loki. I think a lot of people watching this will probably like Loki Season 2. Loves Loki Season 1. Uh, we've got a bunch of stuff coming out later in the year. The best, the best way to figure that all out is to follow our social medias at BaldMove everywhere except for TikTok at BaldestMove. And also you can... Uh, support us if you'd like to keep the yard clean and well-maintained, fertilized, um, and thriving, you can support us at support.baldmove.com and get a bunch of cool stuff for yourself, too. That's going to do it for this week on the Tribe of Two. Until next week, when we find out what they're going to do with Darth Swanson, what they're going to do with Sabine's comeuppance, how they're going to get the heroes back to the Star Wars galaxy. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. May the Force be with you. Mm-hmm.